name's Sid Garza Hillman, and this is what I think. Menopause. It's what's for brick. Well, hold on a second. Damn it. My notes are all a fumble here. Sorry. No, that was beef. It's what's for... Good Lord. It's beef. It's what's for... I'm a fan of beef now. I'm just kidding. I want to talk about menopause, and here's why. I was teaching a nutrition class uh, of recent, and I don't ask anybody their ages, but I have a general idea. I've been doing this a while. And I said something about uh, nutrition and its correlation, but not even correlation. Let's talk about it. Causation, shall we? Can we go right to causation? With menopause, right? And so the woman in the class was like, I want to thank you because nobody will have the discussion about menopause. It's never talked about. And I was like, really? Like, I guess so. I'm in the world that I'm in, so I don't necessarily have an idea of, you know, the general what's happening in Tulsa, you know, for instance. And so uh, we discussed. And then, sure enough... There's a article, I think it was NPR, about menopause, like how it's not discussed. And by the way, there, of course, in the in that article, it was like, and there's a there's a ther- a helpful therapy which was hormone hormone hormones synthetic, right? I mean, look, is it necessary? Maybe, maybe yes. I can't say it's not necessary. I don't know that. I am saying that let's let's deal with the remember the the Prius effect video I did. Let's deal with the biggest offender in the room, which is diet. And how things like high-fat diets, high-protein diets can mess with our gut bacteria and can make us hormonally wonky. That's scientific, by the way. And when you eat a diet that is especially high in fiber, more on that in a minute, but mellows things out, keeps you more regular, you will not... In the article, it was like, it was horrific. It was like wide, smooth swings and severe hot flashes and, you know, all the fatigue and depression and all this kind of stuff. And that's very real. You want to know why? Because we're eating like shit and we don't want to take responsibility for it. The title of this episode, always the easy way out. Let's not change the stuff that actually can make a difference. Let's just shoot ourselves with drugs. Let's not be diabetic and actually take care of the problem. Type two, reverse it. Type one, minimize significantly the amount of insulin by going to a healthy diet. Let's not do that. Let's not do that. Let's just, just get on the pill and I don't have to change anything. I don't want to change. Don't make me, I'm 10. When it becomes this, like this, I'm 10. Don't, I, you don't get to tell me anything. So the menopause discussion in my context, uh, context of my nutrition is very much uh, about uh, evening things out, about making things more regular and mellow and not wide swings. If you eat well, most of the time. Is it complicated? No. Had a discussion recently with a client. I was like, listen, weight loss is the easiest thing in the world. He's like, no, it's not it's not easy because he's struggled with it. I go, yeah, but let's talk about what we're really talking about here. Weight loss in terms of food intake, how to do it in a healthy way, by the way. You guys know I don't like to talk about weight loss so much as I do about adding in health. And when you're healthy, you'll be at a healthy weight. You can also be at a so-called healthy weight, not be healthy. But I'm just saying if your goal is to bring in health, your body will follow. But... That's not that hard. Weight loss is not that hard. Ask anybody who's on a keto diet. But if you want to do it in a healthy way, that's also super simple. It's super simple. But societal pressures, social, can I, that whole thing, parties, friends, family pressures, right? Mark Bad marketing. That stuff gets in the way. That makes it difficult. There's no doubt about it. I've been doing this a long time. Not an idiot. Of course, I know that. But that doesn't, let's not cloud the discussion of what it actually takes. Same thing with things like menopause. Same things, by the way, with things like puberty, which I did a whole episode on. 
you know, delaying that for kids, very, very healthy, like, and a healthy diet goes a very long way, but also minimize stress overall, but a healthy diet goes a very, very long way in mitigating the effects of hormonal shifts. It's not brain surgery or brain science for that, for that matter, either one. It's not surgery or science as it pertains to the brain. On the subject of menopause, by the way, here's a little pet peeve of mine. Okay, so I'm gonna take a little sip of my bourbon. Mm. Oh. I asked my 13 year old son, I go, do you know the difference between bourbon and scotch? And he goes, yeah, bourbon's American, scotch is, I was like, you're the best child. Now, what I'm actually having is a scotch. I got that wrong. It's a scotch. Aberlauer is the name. Fantastic. Just, just poured it. Just so you know, like for the record, I don't drink a scotch before the pot. If I did, I'd be way more popular, first of all. But I pour it and then I just sip it throughout. And this is where it started. You want to know? Not whiskey-wise, but it started in college. I was at UCLA. I was a sophomore, and I was living in an apartment. And my roommate was this girl who, you know, we became friends really nice. But anyway, she was off doing sorority stuff. I never, didn't really see her much. There was a girl living upstairs who I became very good friends with named Suzanne Carney. I love her. I wonder what happened to her. I should probably try to find her. Became a ballet dancer and super just great, but she was just great. And one night I was struggling with an English paper, probably because of the language barriers, my guess, but I was struggling with English paper and I was like freaking out and she's, and she, and I, and I was talking to her and she goes, come up to my apartment. I go, okay. So I go up there. She pours me a glass of absolute vodka and she goes, this is what you do when you're writing a paper. You don't get drunk. That's a bad idea, but you pour vodka and you just take little sips while you're writing the paper and that changed the game got really, really bad grades. No, I'm just kidding. No, it really changed the game. It was like just as having this thing, just thing. It just made the whole thing bad. like I, one shot after for like an hour and a half, literally like little sit, but it was just like this. Oh, oh, I'm setting the tone of sort of just like, okay, this isn't all bad. Back to menopause. So mom, so this is a thing, a pet peeve of mine. Okay. People who referred to their mother as just saying, you know, mom's coming. They don't say my mom. I have a problem with that. Here's why. Because the only way that's okay is if your mother's actual first name is mom. And that's okay. Then you could say like mom's coming because that's, you know, Richard's coming over, you know, you know, Evelyn's coming, mom's first name. But if it's not her first name, then she's your mom. She's not mom. She's not God. She's your mom, my mom. I'm going to see my mom. I'm not going to I'm going to see mom this weekend. It's, a, it's an overreach that I don't appreciate. Okay, now these are the things that really stress me out. Okay, so, you know, I eat well and I exercise, but boy, heart attack's on its way. And you want to know why? Because I think about these things a lot. And I don't want people to say, mom called me last night. Really? Who's mom? My mom called? Why is my mother calling you? That's totally inappropriate. Oh, no, my mom did. Okay, well, then specify. Good God. Um, little note of fun, and this has nothing of relevancy to this podcast. I'm just going to throw it out there. But you know the race I direct, the Mendocino Coast 50K? This year I decided uh, that I'm going to have a guy come out, and Jeff Stanford and Joan or help, Stanford to help me out on this. But this guy named Adam Sobel, who's who ran a restaurant called the Cinnamon Snail in York. And it was like a food truck, and then he got a restaurant, then COVID hit, whatever. But anyway, he's still pretty out there and pretty well-known. Guess what's happening? Flying him out, and he's doing the freaking food for the race. 
Is that cool for everybody? By the way, if you guys don't know that, I don't just feed the runners. It was a it was a principle thing for me. I was like, I hate races where they go here, come over here. I'll check your I'll check your number off, and then only you get to go over there. Everyone has to stand watching you eat. I go if you show up to watch the race, go get some food for crying out loud. Jeff and Joan provide all the food. So anyway, he's coming out and he's starting to pitch me like ideas of the menu, and I'm like, this is phenomenal. I can't wait. Very exciting. So not really relevant to this podcast, but what's not relevant to the what Sid thinks? Here's what I think. That's really cool that Adam Sobel's coming out to do my, there, done. It's in the, it's under the category of what I think. Thanks, he's in show notes, he's you guys. Thank you to the Patreoners. Check the show notes for more information about Small Steppers books and all that. Brigham and roll. I am in a holding pattern on my ultra running book because it's at an editor's and she said she's going to get back to me by the end of February with notes. So I am just sitting here wondering what's going to be her version of notes. Is it going to be generally good, add some stuff to these four places, or is it going to say, boy, you had a, 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 an, a, like an overconfidence uh, given this to me, because this is a piece of crap. I've crapped better books on ultra running than this thing. So here's my, here's my, here's my feedback. Ready? Start over. You want to know what I think you should do with this? Start over. So it could go one of those two ways. The title of this episode, again, is um, always the easy way out. And we tend to 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 do that, especially in the in the um, discussion of, of nutrition. And so I'm going to I don't do a lot of food talking, as you guys know, but I'm going to do it today because a couple uh, articles hit the, uh, the 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 airwaves, I was going to say. And one of them is that apparently sky high egg prices. So, you know, again, not super relevant to me. I don't eat them. Well, what about choline? Yeah, what about prostate cancer? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I'll take you to the mat on that one. Marketing is very cool, by the way. Marketing is such a cool thing. And if you're evil, it's kind of fun because you can just do anything. If you have no ethics or morals, you can just you can just say the great, greatest things. And you can sell more things when you do that. Kind of cool. Um, anyway, this is the title of the article in NPR. Mung bean omelet, anyone? Now, first of all, they're talking about mung bean omelet. That doesn't sound good to literally every... In fact, I looked it up and mung is the least attractive word that's ever been. Mung. Mung bean omelet, anyone? No, thank you. And I don't like it. Now, there's things like just egg that are rooted in mung bean protein, but it's very different than a mung bean omelet. So there already is a bias that I don't really appreciate. Mung bean omelet, anyone who would ever not want anything like that? Next part of the title, sky high egg prices, crack open market for alternatives. (laughs) Wow. That's clever in only an NPR way can be. So I'm reading the article and there's, you know, avian flu and all all the crazy stuff that happens when we when we create an industry around animals that should never exist in that many numbers, including humans, by the way, but just too many chickens and then they're too close to each other, then they get dirty and there's sickness and crazy shit and then there's antibiotics. And next thing you know, eventually it's going to, oh, I know it's already been happening. Anyways, one of the, um, so I'm reading the article and I'm just waiting. I'm waiting. I know what's coming right away. I know what's coming. So I'm kind of hanging. I'm hanging, reading, you know, just kind of, you know, just, just briefly just touching upon it, just reading the, here it goes, quote, Eggs are often seen a cheap, reliable source of protein, a go-to when other things get expensive. Protein, a meat, just a meat. They can't not 
do it. They just have to do it. They just have to do it. Then they go and it says, but do the substitute egg products really taste like eggs as if that freaking matters? Do they have a shot at getting between American Americans and their beloved eggs? The writer writes, I got some of my NPR colleagues, there's your red flag, together, I mean, can you imagine the armpit hair in that room, together to try some of the egg alternatives. again, another erudite quote from the NPR folks, I'm loving it, and see if they've managed to crack the code. <laughs> Made me want to eat eggs. Then it said, I don't think eggs are going to lose their superstar status anytime soon. Parentheses, one of my colleagues remarked that the plant-based eggs tasted like potatoes. Another colleague described them as super interesting, but nothing like eggs, end quote. Really good. Really good article to get people to maybe, uh, you know, look into alternatives that might be good enough and eventually probably are going to taste like eggs if you can separate yourself from them for a while. When I have a veggie hot dog, it tastes exactly like a veggie hot dog. Now, if somebody who eats hot dogs had one, they would taste, think it was disgusting. But so, okay. I did a commercial once and I, there was veggie dogs. I said, you can try one of these. These are like exactly like hot dogs. He took a bite, spit out. It was the most disgusting thing I've ever had. Yeah, I hadn't had a hot dog in five years. So for me, it's exactly like a hot dog. Who loses? Nobody loses. Mm. Who's not losing right now, by the way, is this Aberlauer. My seventh one in the last 20 minutes. Here's the next article. It was like a rapid fire thing this week. So I was like, God, you know, what's, I'm, what Sid thinks? Thinking about this stuff. Here's the quote. Oh, the title, Ultra Processed Foods Linked to Ovarian and Other Cancer Deaths Study Finds. Ultra Processed Foods Linked to Ovarian and Other Cancer Deaths Study Finds. Now, again, the journals, I don't, the journal of just CNN picking the most obvious thing in the world journal. But my favorite quote in the article was, first author, that means there's multiple, Dr. Kiara Chang, a National Institute for Health and Care Research Fellow at Imperial College London School of Public Health. <sighs> there's 1,800 words in her title. Here's her quote. Our bodies may, I love the word may in this one, okay? Our bodies may not react the same way to these ultra-processed ingredients and additives as they do to fresh and nutritious, minimally processed foods, Chank said. That is very astute. I did not see that coming. So you're saying that our human bodies might react, might, and I don't want to be conclusive here. She doesn't want to be, she doesn't want to dive in like on a conclusive way because you never know. But they may not react to not just processed ingredients, her words, ultra processed. Ultra processed ingredients, by the way, are any ingredients over a marathon. That's an ultra-processed ingredient. Our bodies may not re may not react to the same to the same way to these ultra-processed ingredients as they do to natural, nutritionally nutritious and minimally processed food. That's genius because I did not see that coming. So that's great. And lastly, the USDA wants to limit added sugars and sodium in school meals. Well, that's nice. That's a good idea, and I think that is a good idea. I'm not even kidding. I hate to. I don't want to like you know minimize that. It's a good thing. But that's a minimal effort. That's an easy, easy way out. Again, always the easy way out. We sort of go, and here's my marketing discussion, okay? And I've been saying this recently in my classes. If I have, if there are three things, three things, and the product that I'm trying to sell you has only two of the three things, okay? So there are three things out there. My product only has two. 
So it doesn't have all three. And I'm going, damn it, I got to sell this thing, but there's three things and mine's missing one. What is my best marketing move to do about that third one hanging out there? Again, parenthetical, if assuming I have no morals. So what would I do if I have, if there's three things out there, my product only has two, not the third one. Guess what? You vilify the third one. That's what you do. You go, the third one is really bad. It's not just not in my thing. It's bad for you. So of course you should do my thing because it doesn't have that bad thing over there that's not part of my thing, coincidentally. And sugar. So is it that sugar is good for you? Of course not added sugar, but sugar and fruit, phenomenal for you. But to but this idea that USDA wants to limit added sugars and sodium, great move. But what about the other shit? What about the saturated fat? What about the animal protein? What about that stuff? What about the fiber-free flowers that they're using that have no added sugar and probably no not much sodium in those white flour or even white rice? What about those? So if you're eating a, a diet that has fiber in it, whole grains, beans, fruit, vegetables, nuts and seeds, how, and this is, sorry if this ruffles some feathers, but this is just a nutritional fact, okay? The fiber content in the food that you're eating is a better, it does a better job of saying like, how is this going to affect your body on a blood sugar level? It's the fiber because when you eat the fiber, it slows everything down. So in you could actually have added sugar. It's not healthy. I'm not saying that. Of course not. I mean, Dr. Kiara Chang would probably say something like, and by the way, sugar's not healthy. Your body may not react to that the same way it does to an apple. She's on that level of genius. But if you eat fiber filled meal, and you have a little bit of added sugar or even like some white flour bread, but the rest of the meal is 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 plants that have fiber in them, you're not going to get a sugar rush. That's not what happens in the body. The body doesn't digest the thing with added sugar first and get a sugar rush and a crash and then say, okay, well, now I guess I'll, guess I'll get to the fiber stuff. It goes into your stomach. It all digests. It all mixes with the fiber. And, it's, and when there's fiber present, it slows things down. And all I'm saying is if you're trying to good intention, make the diet of children decent, or if you're going through menopause and you want to mellow out the effects of that, am I going to make them disappear? Probably not. Am I going to minimize them with a healthy diet? Probably yes. And that goes for, again, puberty and everything else. We are expecting things of our bodies that our bodies cannot deliver when we are not providing them the tools to deliver them. We cannot expect children to focus and be calm when we are feeding them crap that is messing up their gut bacteria, that's leading to un bad quality sleep and to wide mood swings and to decreased immune strength and all sorts of and weight problems and all those kinds of things. That's what's happening. We are expecting things of people that we're not giving them the basic building tools to deliver. It's not fair and it's an easy fix. It's such an easy fix, but we don't want to have the discussion because we always want to take the easy way out. Sugar's vilified. You know what? Fine. But so should protein powders be vilified, and so should oil be vilified, and so should white flour be vilified, and so should white rice be vilified. Or we can actually be smart about the whole thing and say, instead of reducing added sugar and sodium, and instead of even if you're into ultra-processed food, it's of course crappy for you, bring in the stuff that nourishes you. Add that stuff in. Bring that into the school system. I know what kids eat in high school because I've done talks in high school and I have kids who are 
getting into high school and also have graduated from high school. It's embarrassing on every level. This is not a vegan issue or a plant-based issue. It's an embarrassment issue that we're feeding our children substandard diets, and it's a very much bigger picture than sugar and added sodium. Of course, those should be minimized. But we should bring in the things that make our bodies and minds work better. I don't care how old you are. That a shimmering sun would go away You're all the words I couldn't say And there before me your heart breaks And I just watch it break yeah. Not a place to hide, you are bare And only to decide that I am coming with you That I will finally see what you see I have no place to hide, I am bare
Simple view, you have learned to take.